Welcome to The Sober Unicorn. We are a gay-hosted, all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the LGBT plus community and all of our allies. I'm your host, Holden, and thank you for joining us today. Well, hello, hello, everybody. It's Holden back here again with The Sober Unicorn. I hope everybody's doing absolutely amazed hits. If you're not, you can always reach out to us here at the Sober Unicorn or to anybody that has shared the social media um, during their episodes. Any of us would be very happy to speak with you and just talk to you about what you're going through. Or if you have any questions, just um, don't hesitate to reach out. So today, um, we did not meet on Instagram like 90% of my guests. Um, this actually was somebody that was forwarded to me by a coworker um a very fine co-worker might I add um but anyway so I we've started talking a few weeks ago and I was like hey girl hey you want to come on this podcast and she's like hey girl hey yes queen so here we are um saying hello to Leah hello Leah hi Holden how are you doing today good how are you I'm doing fabulous. I just got off of work. Of course, I uh, worked an extra shift, got home, recording this, doing laundry, going to go to a meeting after this recording. <laughs> yes. Or maybe I'll skip the meeting. Um, But <laughs> no. so, um, so anyways, so I just want to kind of get you on and share your experience, strength and hope with recovery um, and stuff like that. I know you have a little bit of clean time, well, not a little bit, a lot of it, clean time under your belt. So before we dive into the nitty gritty of recovery, um, I want to ask you one question, but I will give you an answer you're not allowed to answer with. So I want to kind of start off the episode with a positive note. So what is one thing that you have gained the most out of recovery? Okay, what is, what is recovery? What is a gift that recovery has given to you? The one answer you're not allowed to give me is your life back. Okay. That's um, generic, girl. That's everybody's answer. Okay. Um, so recovery has afforded me um, to be okay with self and um, to have my family back in my life. That's two things, but we'll go with it. <laughs> um, but mainly like love of self again, you know, um, because I hated myself for so long that you know, I'm able to look in the mirror and like not hate who I am today and like be okay with the person that I am, um, like in my body and like my personality. Which is amazing. Um, I think that's yes. like one yes. thing that recovery, I mean, the thing is it makes you look at yourself in a very not so pleasant fashion at the beginning because you, you look at yourself and all the shit you've done and, and the bullshit you put yourself and everybody else through, but Right. It allows you to kind of forgive yourself and then to move forward and move on to now loving yourself. So um, good, good answer. I was really expecting yes. you to stumble a bit. No. All right. So what? All right. So I'm, I want to kind of like tr try to do some things like that. I'm not used to doing on the podcast. Try to shake it up because I'm normally used to like, all right, girl, what's your story? Okay. So <laughs> what is the dumbest shit? you did in recovery i mean not recovery i'm sorry girl um in in active addiction the dumbest mm -hmm. what do you mean by dumbest like i would I'm say the most unmanageable like the thing is that we all like every like I, i'm gonna say everybody's rock bottom is very very different um and i think the things we do in active addiction to obtain the drug or the the alcohol whatever it is um is different for all of us so it's kind of like 
what did you do that you never saw yourself doing in active addiction? So this is gonna be crazy. Um, but I would, so I was super young when I did this. Um, I had an ex-boyfriend who would take me, um, to this person and, um, had no idea who he was. Um, and he would want me to just like, uh, like brutalize them, I guess. And, um, you know, and I got a lot of money for doing it. And so I would say like, that's something that I never thought, especially being like 16 years old, like doing that, you know, like, that's not how I saw my life going when I was 12, 13, you know? Um, so that was probably the craziest and like most out of character thing I did was, um, yeah, like go and beat up on this dude and like you know him <laughs> loving every second of it and getting paid to do so but you know what's crazy I mean I, of course I'm not going to discount the experiences that you had but like the whole fin dom and the dominatrix like let me tell you there's some women out there that have that do this shit as a career that never sexually even like get down with the man and they make some insane money right I mean, no yeah and I'm totally like as I've gotten over and like experimented with some things, like I definitely see that now, but at the time, you know, I was 16 and like, I was totally new to that whole world. And like, it was just very odd to me, you know? And like, even looking back now, like I say, that's probably one of the craziest things I did only because of the circumstances that I, that were around me, you know? Um, I mean, I've had a lot of crazy shit happen, but that being like 16 and doing it was like insane to me. Yeah. No, no, 100%. I don't think, I mean, yeah. at 16 years old, I was still, like, testing the waters, like, do I like vagina or wiener? Um, right, so- <laughs> right, right. So, moving, like, say, going forward, um, like, jumping fast-forwarding a bit, um, what 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 was the breaking point for you? So, was it finally, like, your family coming to you, be like, okay, girl, you need some help? Or was it you look at yourself in the mirror and be like, all right, I don't recognize this person anymore? So like my rock bottom is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, kind right? of. Your turning oh, so, point. Yeah, so so my rock bottom was a few different instances in my life, right? So um, like you know, obviously people who know me, um, I had my eye shot out and um, with the BB gun point blank, and that was the start of like my rock bottom, you know, because after that happened, the person who had did it, who I had been with for seven years ended up just vanishing and leaving um, without any trace or like any word of where he was going or what he was doing. Um, And then from that point, it was like, I had been doing drugs for a very long time before that, but I started doing them and doing like more things that I said I would never do, putting myself in situations that I would never put myself in before, you know, um, I started you know, using it IV and, um, you know, like, so it was a few different instances. So I started using the needle, you know, I started prostituting myself a little more, you know, not standing on the corner, but like going and and having intercourses with people that were two, three times my age, um, you know, being around people who were physically abusing me, stealing all my shit and like just taking it because like, I didn't really care at that point, you know? And then I guess the final breaking point for me was, um you know at this point my family was already out of my life like they wanted nothing to do with me but the breaking point for me was I was sitting on the side of the road and um all I had was a suitcase full of clothes 
that my drug dealer had given me at the time. And like, I was just sitting on the side of this road, like, what the fuck am I doing? You know? And, um, I had heard, I had a friend who was in Florida and I forgot how it happened, but she had talked to me and let me know that she could get me to Florida if it's something that I wanted to do. And like, get clean and I just remember like sitting there and like weighing my options like I can sit here with my suitcase full of like the shitty clothes that I got from my drug dealer or like I can go and like go try something different you know and like I guess that was like my breaking point and like my first glimpse of like a spiritual awakening um even though I had no idea what that was was but looking back I can tell now um so it was like a whole bunch of things leading up to that point that like brought me to my bottom for sure. And I mean, if anybody listening, I mean, of course, you don't see a photo of Leah, but maybe once she sends me a photo for the promo of the podcast, um, the thing is, yes, do I not do I, I do not wish an eye being shut out to anybody. <laughs> I do not wish that. But the thing is, Leah now has this fabulous, like fucking bedazzled ass eyeball that I'm trying to convince her to wear to work, but she won't do it. Um, but the thing is, like, um, even though like it's an unfortunate event like you've been able to like kind of make light of it especially something like that with it when it comes to personal appearance like that can be detrimental for a lot of people so all right recovery hmm let's see let's where do we start so I'm assuming of course you came down here for Florida to Florida I'm assuming for rehab correct yep, correct so did it stick the first time or were you a relapser? So it did stick the first time um, because my mindset coming down to Florida and like, mind you, before I came to Florida, like there was one or two times, um, you know, like I had gotten um, sent by the court to like a halfway house for six months or, you know, like I went, checked myself into detox because I pissed dirty for the court, you know, like, I never really tried to get clean. So when I came to Florida, like my mind was set on, I'm going to do this because if I'm going to use, then I might as well go back home. So I'm kind of what you would call like a one key tag wonder, I guess, um, because I came down here and it stuck, you know, like I wanted something different. I hit the bottom and like, I was completely done with the drugs. You know, what's so crazy. I consider myself a one key tag wonder because um, I mean, I'm not, but I consider myself one because I was in a different fellowship before the one I'm in and they give out chips. So technically I've only received one key tag. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't feel like that's how it works. (laughs) So in in recovery, of course, you you dove straight in. Um, Where do you think you faulted in your recovery at the beginning where it could have pulled you out? Men, um, men for sure. And even still to this day, it's the same thing, you know, like it's a little different now because I don't feel like men would take me out now, um, because I've proven to myself time and time again that, that it won't. Um, but definitely with men, because before drugs, my drug of choice was uh, like men, um, and boys and that even in school, like I strive to, the to get attention from the, from the boys in school, you know? Um, so definitely men. So what do you think? I mean, like you said, you proved yourself time and time again that it won't take you out. So like, what mindset do you have to put yourself in before going into this endeavor with a male to make sure that you're in a safe place mentally? 
So honestly, it's all about my support group. You know, um, my support group is super strong. And even when I got into like my first relationship and recovery, um, and even when I was kind of messing around in early recovery before I had the relationship, like I was 110% honest with my sponsor, you know, um, and so that way she always knew what I was doing and she knew my patterns right from the start. And she knew that this was a possibility that like, if something happens with me and this person, like it, like it may take me out. Um, so honestly, like just having that strong foundation of my recovery, having a lot, like, you know, a few strong women in my circle who know me and know how I am. And, you know, and when they start to see me act a different way, like being able to kind of intervene on that. So do you find yourself, I, I mean, I don't want to go heavily into sex. I don't want to make the episode about that, but I mean, I love sex. So um, do you find yourself sleeping with men in recovery more often or men outside of recovery? Men in recovery. Okay. Um, Cause I date in recovery. I sleep around it. Now, when I was early, when I was in early recovery, I did um, sleep with a couple people that I worked with at a hotel um, and they were not in recovery, but I quickly learned that people outside of recovery don't have the same goals and mindset that I have. Um, so I, I don't really have a lot of friends or any friends for that matter that are outside of recovery. And it's just not something that like, I don't want to date somebody who doesn't understand why I can't, why I have to go to a meeting, you know? No. Oh, oh my God. Let me, t- no, mm, yes. No. <laughs> that is, that is. I oh my god no that's the, <laughs> that is the truth though because um like when I try to talk to guys and I tell them that I'm in a recovery like when I tell them my normal meeting is on a Friday that's the only one I go to so I mean that is very minimal compared to what other people do in recovery and like they're like well let's hang out on Friday I'm like well I gotta have a meeting we'll just skip it and I'm like immediately that's a red flag yes I feel further into recovery further into dating somebody skip a meeting to go to dinner i think that's fine um but the thing is when it's just like we're early in and you're already wanting me to give up this thing that's detrimental to me not fucking sticking a needle in my arm that right. to me is red flag um so yeah men mm, mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> if anybody's listened to um oh my god the episodes what are they called i fucked up and I, I I don't care remember what I titled the other one. Anybody that knows um, me and my the journey that I've uh, encountered on um, knows that men men is um, a huge factor for me as well when it comes to wanting to use. Um, yeah. But I've recently am ta- talking ish to somebody. We'll just say that, and we're not going to go into detail. Um, and everything is okay. But anyways, so yeah. so when you take on sponsees now, especially men are a weakness for you mm-hmm. you was a little hoe bag um at the early recovery um risking being taken out like are you somebody that puts a, a timeline on like no dating no fucking for a certain length of time no um because i don't feel like it works you know like people especially addicts are gonna do what they want to do you know um and how i sponsor now is a, is a lot different than how i sponsored a year or two ago you know um and I hated sponsoring for a long, long time because I would try to control the situation 
and I would let my sponsees stress me out and make me out and make me so unmanageable because like they weren't taking my suggestions, you know? And then I like, I realized like, I can't control every, every step of the way. And like, I know how I was in early recovery and like staying out of a relationship, like wasn't in the cards for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I stayed clean, you know, the only thing I ask for my, from my sponsees is to be honest with me, you know? Yeah. And, and I feel like it's good too, because they're not scared or ashamed to like, tell me things, you know, they don't feel like I'm gonna like down them or like give them a lecture or, whatever it is, you know, because they're in a relationship or they're seeing somebody, you know, all I do is I can share my experience, strength and hope on it because it's something that I have a lot of experience in. (laughs) Oh my God. This reminds me of TikTok. Say you a hoe without (laughs) saying you're a hoe. Um, no. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of back it up. Um, so in early recovery, what is something that happened to you or somebody that maybe you encountered that you looked or you experienced and said, I'm staying here. Like I have to stay. What do you mean? Well, so I think, well, maybe, I mean, some people call it a spiritual awakening or something like that, where like, it's, it's maybe the first gift of recovery you receive saying, okay, like, this is what I'm receiving, like being in recovery. Like I have to keep trying. I have to keep going forward. So probably for me, it was being able to re like, to take care of myself I guess you know like obviously my my family was back in my life as soon as I came back to Florida um and they supported me as much as I can but but it was that I was finally able to support myself and I worked hard to be able to do so you know like for once in my life I wasn't dependent on my mom you know because they had bought me car after car after car you know they've always bought me cigarettes and did all this and then when I came down here, I had to work for that. You know, I got out of treatment with nothing, no car, no nothing, you know? And I think it was like, I was super humbled and, um, you know, I, I never wanted to have to go through that again. Um, so I think just like having to fend for myself and like, take care of myself. I was like, I liked that feeling of being able to like say, Hey, I did this, you know? Yeah, being like Miss Independent over here. That's right. <laughs> and, and the it's thing is, still to where I am now, you know, like all of that is like, it's a pillar in my recovery, you know? And I remember it like it was yesterday because it, like, it truly changed who I was and like what I wanted out of life. So the thing is, I'm assuming you're 100% heterosexual. Yes. Okay. Here. <laughs> you're not heteroflexible so <laughs> the thing is of course being a female of course you love your gays like all females um except lesbians for some reason they don't like us now um so the thing is you live in one of the most prolific gay areas of florida we're not going to yeah. name the, the area but if you're in fort lauderdale you're very aware of what it is um like how do you manage like kind of living in this party area the thing is for like florida in general is a party state but you're in a centralized area where it's, it's party town so i mean when you first got clean like how did you how did you navigate all the the partiness so honestly like it was trial and error you know like i had mentioned hanging out with a couple people that are outside of recovery and like i went somewhere where they were smoking weed 
and doing these things. And, um, you know, I, like I said, like I had had something in my mind that like, I don't want to do this. And when I was hanging out in those places, it crossed my mind of, oh, you know, this used to be fun for me. Like, why can't I do this now? And as soon as that happened, I no longer put myself in situations like that. Um, so it's really just like avoidance of those areas, you know, um, and not putting myself in situations to where I'm going to be triggered and not like taking myself to clubs or like to bars or whatever it is um, that I know shady things are going to be happening at. Like I just avoided it, you know, and like I went to meetings instead and I hung out with people in recovery and I went to my halfway house, you know, like I did other things other than going to like those areas that I knew things that I didn't want to be doing were going on. No, for sure. A hundred percent. I think like uh, you said, people, places, things um, is that's the one thing I've had to learn. I mean, yes, I haven't drank in almost two years and it doesn't really bother me seeing people drink anymore, but like, mm -hmm it's oh my god what is the freaking term you hang around at a place too long you you sit at the barbershop long enough you're gonna get a haircut there we go there we go that's that's the word i was looking for yeah. um or the term but it, it, that's the thing is like if i continue to hang around the gay bars and the gay clubs and everything like that and i'm put myself around alcohol on a consistent basis then guess what i'm probably gonna one day be like you know what like it's a fun night it was kind of a crazy day at work and let me just pick up a, a quick uh, drink. And then that quick drink will turn it into me calling somebody fully blacked out, like in the back alley, um, trying to suck somebody off. So, exactly. well, not trying, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if you could flip it and reverse it in your recovery, um, what is one thing you did in, say, within your first year that you wish you did differently? Um, so one thing that I wish I did differently was raise my hand in meetings and push myself a little more to build more connections. Um, because like, granted, I had my sponsor, I had a couple good friends in halfway. Um, but like, I didn't raise my hand in meetings because I was so ashamed. And like, like, I didn't love who I was. Like I came into recovery with one eye, like I didn't even have a fake one. Um, so I was very like ashamed of who I was and didn't want to be seen, but like, that's something that I wish I would have done because now even today with almost five years clean, like I won't raise my hand in a meeting, um, due to that fear, you know, and it's not great. And it's, it's something that I do need to work on, but that is the one thing that I didn't do that I wish I would have listened to my sponsor about. Yeah. But now when you go to a meeting, you have this brand new expensive ass sparkly eyes <laughs> I know, I don't know. It's just a part of me. It's just like, I don't know, you know? So you need to raise um, your hand and be like, look at this eye, bitch. I know, I know. Trust me, it's something that me and my sponsor are working on together. And yes. So before we come to a close, um, what would you recommend to somebody um, in their first, let's say first 30 days? okay like what I would recommend they do yeah I mean not not like not the like not the generic like go to a meeting find a sponsor go to 90 and 90 but like what is something you recommend somebody to do in early recovery in or outside the rooms so 
honestly, like find somebody that you can be a hundred percent honest with, um, without fear of like being judged because that's been a pivotal part in my recovery. Um, so being, finding someone who you can be honest with. And then another thing is like finding a crowd that you connect with. So you don't feel so alone, because I think a lot of the reason why people go out and relapse in early recovery is because they feel alone, you know, like they don't feel any different than they did out there using because they don't find their crowd, you know? So like explore other options. Like if you go to a meeting and you don't like one, go to a different one. Um, and don't make excuses, you know, like, oh, I don't have a car. I can't go to this meeting. Bullshit. You know, like I didn't either. And I got to meetings. Um, so like, don't make excuses, be honest and like find people that you connect with. All right. And what would you tell the person that's still out there in the streets, um, using, um, ooh, that's a hard one. I feel like, um, what would I tell somebody who's out in the streets? Um, I mean, I'm going to be a little generic here, but like, you don't have to live that way anymore, you know? And like, honestly, I know what I needed to hear was, um, what did I need to hear? Just that, you know, there, there is a better way out there and like, you'll like, you don't have to feel how you feel in that moment. You know, like you don't have to feel like there's nothing to live for. You know, you don't have to feel like you don't have the world, anything to offer because you've ruined your life and you're a drug addict. Like that's bullshit. You know, like you do have something to offer, you know, drug addicts are some of the most successful and understanding and compassionate people. And like for the people out there, like you're putting your talent to waste, you know? Trust and believe if you can be homeless or broke and jobless and still find drugs, you could be clean and like get your shit together and be successful as well. I mean, like we can, we find our ways around shit. Trust me and believe I, I see people in recovery lose their jobs and like they have an apartment, they have a car, they have all these bills and they're like, I'm good. Don't worry. I'll like, things will work out. And I'm just like, like, oh my God. Like to me, I would be like, losing my shit I, I tell my mom and stuff all the time that being a drug addict is my biggest asset because it taught me so many good things you know I know how to survive I know how to hustle you know I know how to manipulate in a good way you know like I like I have all of these assets because of what I had to do in the streets while I was using you know so like when we put that to good use the things that we can accomplish are like out of this world. That is very true. Well, thank you so much, Leah, for joining us today. I hope you have a fantabulous rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at The Sober Unicorn Podcast or on our website at thesoberunicornpodcast.com. There you will find our episodes as well as our very own sober-owned shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober-owned. And remember, everyone, don't be normal, be a unicorn, but better yet, be a sober unicorn. Sober Unicorn.